Chapter sixty two of A House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter sixty two of a solemn resolution which Captain Devereux registered among his household gods with a libation. When Devereux entered his drawing-room and lighted his candles he was in a black and bitter mood he stood at the window for a while and drummed on the pane looking in the direction of the barrack where all the fun was going on but thinking in a chaotic way of things very different and all toned with that strange sense of self-reproach and foreboding which of late had grown habitual with him and not without just cause this shall be the last "'Twas dreadful, seeing that poor Nan, and I want it. I can swear I really and honestly want it. Only one glass to stay my heart. Everyone may drink in moderation, especially if he's heartsick, and has no other comfort. One glass, and no more. Curse it! So one glass of brandy, I'm sorry to say, unmixed with water. The handsome misanthropist sipped and sipped, to the last drop, and then sat down before his fire, and struck and poked and stabbed at it in a bitter personal sort of way, until here and there some blazes leaped up, and gave his eyes a dreamy sort of occupation, and he sat back with his hands in his pockets, and his feet on the fender, gazing among the plutonic peaks and caverns between the bars. I've had my allowance for tonight. Tomorrow night, none at all tis an accursed habit and i'll not allow it to creep upon me no i've never fought it fairly as i mean to do now tis quite easy if one has but the will to do it so he sat before his fire chewing the cud of bitter fancy only and he recollected he had not quite filled his glass and up he got with a swagger and says he we'll drink fair if you please one glass one only but that hang it a bumper so he made a rough calculation we'll say so much here or there tis no great matter a thimbleful won't drown me phew that's too much what am i to do with it hang it well we can't help it tis the last so whatever the quantity may have been he drank it too and grew more moody and was suddenly called up from the black abyss by the entrance of little puddick rosy and triumphant from the ball ha ah, puddick then the fun's over i'm glad to see you i've been tete tay with my shadow cursed bad company puddick where's clough gone home i believe so much the better you know Clough better than I, and there's a secret about him I never could find out. You have, maybe. What's that? lisped Puddock. What the deuce Clough's good for? Oh, tut, we all know Clough's a very good fellow. Devereux looked from under his finely penciled brows with a sad sort of smile at good little Puddock. Puddock, says he, I'd like to have you write my epitaph. Puddock looked at him, with his round eyes a little puzzled, and then he said, 
you think maybe i've a turn for making verses and you think also i like you and there you're quite right deborah laughed but kindly and shook the fat little hand he proffered i wish i were like you puttock we've the knowledge of good and evil between us the knowledge of good is all yours you see nothing but the good that men have you see it and i dare say truly where i can't the darker knowledge is mine puttock who thought he thoroughly understood king john shylock and richard the third was a good deal taken aback by devereux's estimate of his penetration well i don't think you know me devereux resumed he with a thoughtful lisp i'm much mistaken or i could sound the depths of a villain's soul as well as most men and if you don't find it full of noble qualities said dick devereux what book is that the tragical history of dr faustus answered puttock i left it here more than a week ago have you read it faith puttock i forgot it let's see what tis like said devereux heyday and he read now faustus let thine eyes with horror stare into that vast perpetual torture-house there are the furies tossing damned souls on burning forks their bodies boil in lead there are live quarters broiling on the coals that ne'er can die this ever-burning chair is for o'er-tortured souls to rest them in these that are fed with sops of flaming fire were gluttons and loved only delicates and laughed to see the poor starve at their gates tailors by jupiter serve em right the rogues tailors lining upon ragu royal spanish ole puttock fat livers and green morels in the phoenix the scoundrels and laughing to see poor gentlemen of the royal irish artillery starving at their gates hang em well well listen to the good angel said puttock taking up the book and declaiming his best oh thou hast lost celestial happiness pleasures unspeakable bliss without end hadst thou affected sweet divinity hell or the devil had no power on thee hadst thou kept on that way faustus behold in what resplendent glory thou hadst sat on yonder throne like those bright shining spirits and triumphed over hell that hast thou lost and now poor soul must thy good angel leave thee the jaws of hell are open to receive thee stop that tis all cursed rant said devereux that is the thing itself you make the most it why truly said puttock there are better speeches in it but tis very late and parade you know i shall go to bed and you no i shall stay where i am well i wish you good-night dear devereux good-night puttock and the plump little fellow was heard skipping downstairs and the hall door shut behind him devereux took the play that puttock had just laid down and read it for a while with a dreary kind of interest then he got up and i'm sorry to say drank another glass of the same strong waters to-morrow i turn over a new leaf and he caught himself repeating puttock's snatch of macbeth to-morrow and to-morrow and to-morrow devereux looked out leaning on the window-sash 
all was quiet now as if the rattle of a carriage had never disturbed the serene cold night the town had gone to bed and you could hear the sigh of the river across the field a sadder face the moon did not shine upon that's a fine play faustus marlowe he said some of the lines he had read were booming funereally in his ear like a far-off bell i wonder whether marlowe had run a wild course like some of us here myself and could not retrieve that honest little mountebank puttock does not understand a word of it i wish i were like puttock poor little fellow so after a while Devereux returned to his chair before the fire and on his way again drank the waters of the leith and sat down not forgetting but remorseful over the fire i'll drink no more to-night there curse me if i do the fire was waxing low in the grate to-morrow's a new day why i never made a resolution about it before i can keep it tis easily kept to-morrow i begin and with fists clenched in his pockets he vowed his vow with an oath into the fire and ten minutes were not passed and over when his eye wandered thirstily again to the flask on the middle of the table and with a sardonic flushed smile he quoted the good angel's words o faustus lay that damned book aside and gaze not on it lest it tempt thy soul and then pouring out a dram he looked on it and said with the evil angel go forward faustus in that famous art wherein all nature's treasure is contained be thou on earth as jove is in the sky lord and commander of the elements and then with a solitary sneer he sipped it and after a while he drank one glass more they were the small glasses then in vogue and shoved it back with there that's the last and then perhaps there was one other last and after that the very last hang it it must be the last and so on i suppose and devereux was pale and looked wild and sulky on parade next morning end of chapter sixty two recording by john brandon